Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello! Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought. This is the podcast that's on a mission and it's going to equip you with all of the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, Sunday Times best-selling author of The Science of Nutrition. Please go check out my new book. I think it will help a lot of people out there. And founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. Now, in each of the 12 episodes, I'll be joined by guests, all of whom are experts in their field, which is wonderful. So together, we can all learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted experts advice. Everybody has turned to their search engine at some point for their health advice and especially when it comes to our immunity. Now it may seem like some habits are tough to maintain especially in those colder and darker months of course but please know that your wellness doesn't have to suffer because of the time of year or the pseudoscience that is being spread online. Now, this is such an amazing conversation and we delve into so many key areas here that are going to help you all with your wellness habits. So this week's Food for Thought sees Dr. Zoe Williams and I explore what we can do to help enhance our wellness, support our immunity, keep us happy, productive, and all around healthy. Hello, Zoe. Hi, hi, Ree. How are you? Oh, I'm really well. I was just reminiscing back to when you last came on the podcast. You did an episode on fertility with us, and now we've both got our little humans in the world. <laughs> yes, a lot has changed. It wasn't that long ago, but it just goes to show your world can completely change in a short space of time, can't it? It really, really can. So, yeah, I'd encourage any of our listeners to obviously go back and check out that episode. But the one we're going to be discussing today and the whole conversation that we're about to embark upon, I think is really important because when the weather is colder in general, you know, throughout all the different winter months, people get ill, they get run down. Um, <laughs> why is it that some people always seem to get ill though, you know, while others just seem to breeze through this seasonal shift without a problem? Well, I mean, there'll be there will be many reasons, but you could really boil it down to, to 
too. And I think a lot of these terms we'll talk about today, people are now more familiar with than ever because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But the first one is the risk of exposure. So if you're Mm. a school teacher or a GP like me, where you're Mm. seeing lots of different people from different households on a daily basis, your risk of being exposed to these common viruses is much higher. And then there's also susceptibility. So you're how as an individual, how susceptible you are to um, to getting unwell with that virus, to it invading your body successfully um, and how strong your immune system is and able to to deal with it. So, so, and there are lots of reasons that could contribute towards that. Sort of similar, I guess, to the things we've seen with COVID in that age is a factor, um, your ethnicity could be a factor if you have underlying health conditions, um, but also there's the sort of genetic lottery as well your genes might just see you being more susceptible but then also lifestyle so I'm sure we'll get into that as we chat yeah yeah I mean so many factors to think about and um, I noticed actually I went such a long time without getting poorly because of the pandemic Um, even when I had my son in 2020 because we just weren't exposed to any um any bugs and now it seems we're catching up for it you know the more we're the more we're out and about we're definitely contracting everything left right and center to make up for lost time but let's introduce the podcast further by giving a little overview because this is definitely your area on how the immune system works you know a lot of people just use the word quite flippantly oh my immune system but you know what is it doing <laughs> um So the immune system is really, really complex and I'm not a specialist in immunity. I'm a GP, um, but I I have always found the immune system really quite fascinating. Um, And that's probably not a bad thing, actually, that I'm not an immune system specialist, because Mm. I guess most people listening to the podcast don't want to know about every different element of it. People have heard terms, I'm sure, like macrophages and t-cells and b-cells and antibodies but don't really want to it's very very complex and we wouldn't even be able to cover it in a week or a year let alone one podcast um but the immune system is made up of organs and tissues and cells within our body and we can loosely break it up into two different types of immune system so there's the innate immune system that we all have and that gets to work within seconds of you facing a a new virus or bacteria Um, so it's your body's way of um, protecting yourself in the first place so you know our skin protects us that's part of our immune system Um, in our stomach we have very strong acid which is protecting us from bugs Um, in our mouth even in our saliva and we have all the hairs in our nose they're protecting us so those are the types of things that we all have and that's the part of our immune system that whatever's trying to get into our body will protect us and then there's the acquired immune system and and this is our body's ability to to learn so once we've been exposed to something once and we develop an immunity to it that's the bit of our immune system that learns and recognizes if we're if we if we see something a second time it's remembered the first time and it's primed and ready to act quickly because the first time we're exposed to something new it takes really two to three days for that part of our immune system to start making a difference. Um, And the job, our immune system's job is to stop any harmful invaders from getting into the body and causing damage. So that can be germs, viruses, bacteria, fungi. It can be chemicals, um, poisons, um, but it's also got a further job and that is to 
it's kind of like a surveillance job really of our own cells the cells in Mm. our body so if if our immune system detects that a cell has mutated incorrectly so potentially as possibly could become cancerous our immune system's job is also to detect those cells and and destroy them and and it also clears away dead cells and and debris as well inside our body so we want our immune system to attack and win the battle against all those harmful invaders but importantly we don't want it to attack um and cause this inflammatory response that it does when it comes across things that are harmless so that would Mm. be bugs that are friendly it could be things like pollen you know hay fever is when the immune system inappropriately thinks that pollen's harmful um or also our own cells and that's where we talk about autoimmune disease which is when our own body's immune system attacks our own cells of our body thinking that they're um invaders when they're not i mean it's all very clever i mean the way that um our bodies respond apart from when it's not as helpful like you said you know with things like hay fever which I definitely get um, in certain months of the year and I think for you in particular you know I think a lot of people will see you on tv you know looking the absolute vision of health but doctors get run down to don't they and you're a new mom and you've you've you are just like everybody else. So doctors aren't invincible, are they? <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely not. And, you know, the last eight months of my life since I've had a baby, thank goodness for makeup and good lighting because <laughs> I've been constantly run <laughs> down. Um, and all of these things impact on on our health and our immune system. And stress, stress is a big one. I often think that stress is the biggest pandemic or epidemic and pandemic that that we're facing in modern lives and perhaps isn't talked about enough and stress impacts on every aspect of our um, health including how our immune system functions yeah absolutely I think stress is um often it's also subliminal it's things that people don't acknowledge or notice are there and I think you must have seen so many, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but obviously as a GP, you must have just witnessed, I would say, a heightened perhaps amount of stress owed to the pandemic in the last year. And has that impacted, do you think, directly people's health? Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, there there are a minority of people, I think it's a minority anyway, who've been less stressed because of the pandemic, because Mm. for some people it's really suited them um, to be living their life slightly differently. But um, for most people, yeah, it's been stressful for so many reasons, hasn't it? It's not, not knowing... The, the unknown is stressful for a lot of people. Of course, lots of people have sadly had personal losses as well because of it. Um, we haven't been able to socialise in the same way and isolation is a big cause of stress. Loneliness, similar to isolation, mm. slightly different. That is a big cause of stress as well. Um, some people may not have been as active and that can cause biological stress on the body so I think for most of us that the pandemic has has increased um stress and obviously then there's the financial implications it's had for a lot of people so for a number of reasons yeah yeah I think when we talk about financial it actually leads me on nicely to the health industry and the wellness industry um which is full of pseudoscience as we both know um and there is a lot of 
false promises and people preying on us when we're our most vulnerable, which tends mm. to be in the colder months of the year, I mean, throughout a global pandemic, when there's something that's a bit out of our control and they'll try and sell you promises like yeah. supplements can help with your immunity and boost it. What oh. would be your response, Zoe, to these claims? Well, I mean, that term, I would be very suspicious of anything that uses the term boost when it comes to immunity and that's because bearing in mind what I've just explained that if your immune system's functioning perfectly um, that means that it's responding it's very sensitive to anything harmful coming in the body or originating from the body but it's not oversensitive so it's not responding to things that are harmless and certainly not responding to the healthy cells of your own body if you boost your immune system you're going to take it from a level where it's doing what it should do to where it's potentially doing something harmful so the term boost when it comes to immune system shouldn't really be used um you know mm. something that supports your immune system or optimizes your immune system that that is more correct language um but we have seen all these things come onto the market and i think when it comes to the function of, of your immune system the things that make a difference is is eating a really healthy, balanced diet, getting all the nutrients that you need, getting enough sleep, exercising regularly, um, you know, maintaining as close to a healthy weight as you can, not smoking. Smoking is disastrous for your immune system and minimising stress. And, and those are really the building blocks of the things that are somewhat, to a degree, within your control, um, which can help you have a, a, a well-functioning immune system. Um, but also things like absence of, you need absence of underlying illness, favourable genetics, an optimal environment. And if you've got all that in place, then you stand the best chance of having a well-functioning immune system. There is no single supplement or product that exists that can override all of that. So whilst, you know, vitamin D is the exception, that is definitely a supplement that we should all be taking in the winter months, well, autumn and winter, and a large proportion of us should probably just take it all year all round. All year round, yeah. Um, and I don't have any issues with people taking a multivitamin. If they want to take a multivitamin mm. as a bit of an insurance policy, even if you've got a healthy diet, one multivitamin a day is pretty cheap and won't do you any harm. Um, all these other complex nutritional supplements, whilst, you know, I'm sure there is some rooting in science to the typical person, you're probably wasting your money and they're not going to make that much of a difference. Absolutely. I mean, you must have come into so many situations where people have presented, like we do in, in the Retrition Clinic, a whole list of things that they're taking. Um, and actually that the secret, or not the secret rather, the answer would just be to switch up the lifestyle a lot more. I think that mm -hmm. there's so much to be said for exercise and diet. And I guess it's a conversation that perhaps it's only really been in the medical world. I'm sure you've seen a huge difference in the last few years about doctors actually being able to discuss, well, what foods are you getting daily? You know, are you getting enough, um, let's say, prebiotics or fiber in your diet? Is that something now that you think has become the norm or are we still kind of pushing that to get it out there? Oh, I definitely don't. I definitely don't think it's the norm, Leanne. No. And unfortunately, <laughs> amongst most of the oh. healthcare professional community, um, and I, I really wish we had more nutritional experts working with mm. us in the NHS, because obviously, what you put into your body is such a huge contributor 
towards your health. And sadly, most um, GPs and nurses and NHS staff lack the training. We haven't been provided with sufficient training for us to really get our heads around it and and understand it. Um, And I think, you know, some people will identify that their life is too difficult for them to make lifestyle changes. And they may, you Mm. know, not, for example, they don't like fish, they never eat it. And there are people for whom a supplement would be beneficial. Um, But for most of us, it it does come down to having a really healthy, nutritious diet. And you know much more about this than, than I do. So feel free to jump in. But that means focusing on things like getting loads of fruit and veg, healthy fats, um, nutrients like omega-3. We can't make those in our bodies, so we do need to get them from our diet, from things like oily fish and flaxseed. And um, there are other types of things you can get from the sea. I think algae is a another yeah yeah algae supplements yep dha supplements for people that can't eat fish or they don't want to consume yeah cod liver capsules or something it's you're right the mediterranean diet i think is such an understated tool that we should all be utilizing i know we don't live in the mediterranean guys and i'm looking out the window (laughs) now as i'm recording this podcast and i am thinking oh if only but there is a correlation between keeping healthy but an area that really really fascinates me I've actually just had a chat on a completely different subject surrounding exercise this morning, but is the impact exercise can have on our immune system as well, but also maybe too much just as a little bit. And you used to be a gladiator, Zoe, so you know more than anybody. (laughs) You know how important it is. (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel that I'm very blessed and lucky because I'm one of the lucky few that enjoys exercise. And for me, it's always my fallback. It's if I'm stressed, you know, it's what keeps me well from a physical and a mental health point of view. Um, But yeah, it definitely has implications for our immune system as well. So the data is undeniable that moderate amounts of physical activity correlate with lower lower risk of disease. And that includes things like infections. And moderate amounts of exercise support our immune system in lots of different ways. They also, it also has an anti-inflammatory effect. So if you're exercising regularly, that reduces the systemic inflammation in your body and systemic inflammation is thought to be the root cause really of a lot of the chronic diseases um, that are really prevalent today, like type 2 diabetes and heart disease, dementia. Mm. Um, but it also helps support the immune system. But here's the thing, and I think it's true for anything, too much of anything good can be a bad thing. And yeah. <laughs> uh, we also know that for people who exercise um, excessively, well, that can have a negative impact on their immune system and in fact there are lots of studies looking at athletes and when they're doing their intensified training or competing then they're much more susceptible to picking up common colds and and viruses and that's linked to the stress so partly the emotional stress but also the physical stress on the body at that time means that um, it's, it's the defense against bugs getting in is reduced. Absolutely and it's a very difficult balance to achieve for some people, I think, with exercise, because we've all got our own unique thresholds. 
And if you're listening to this podcast, perhaps you are already a regular exerciser or, you know, you've got a routine in place, but you could equally be somebody that's thinking, well, you know, I, I just go for a walk every day and thinking, oh, is, is that enough? Is that is that not enough? And I think there's such a conversation to be had around the fact that exercises, even when you climb up and down your staircase every single day, you just yeah. you need to just get your heart rate up. It doesn't have to mean that you are sweating buckets. No. <laughs> well, any, anything that involves movement is classed as as exercise. Anything that involves yeah. movement is good for your body. So you might be somebody who runs, you know, 5K every day, and that's that's great. You might be somebody who just walks to the shop and back every day. Um, so for the person who's walked to the shop and back, if you could go the long route round and add a few extra steps every day, you're going to get health benefit from that. Um, and even things like, you know, taking taking the steps rather than the lift or parking the car a bit further away at the supermarket all these things add up and, and make a difference and I think I always have to be careful when <laughs> when I talk about excessive exercise being mm. bad for you uh, and follow that up with well how much is that and and as a rule of thumb if you're somebody who is training regularly for a marathon you're not doing too much if you're somebody mm. who regularly does marathons as training for ultra marathons then you're the type of person who should be considering whether the amount of exercise you're doing could have some detriment to your health. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Zoe. It's so important. And I think a, a topic as a parent as well, which is so crucial and difficult, is sleep. Um, I mean... I think anybody out there doesn't feel their best when you don't get a good night's sleep. But, you know, especially if you are up every few hours in the night, it, it can really wear you down, can't it? Oh, it can. It can wear you down emotionally and it can wear you down physically um, and, it can wear, and it can wear down <laughs> your immune system. Um, so sleep is so important for so many reasons, um, for the functioning of our brain as well. We, we lay down long term memories when we sleep. So if you're not having good quality of sleep or if you're not having enough sleep, then it becomes quite difficult for your body to function optimally but there are times in our lives like when you have a baby where there is no other option it's not like you can think right okay well I'm just going to get to bed earlier and that means I'm going to get a full night's sleep so so there are times when we almost have to accept that our sleep is going to be affected but there are also mm. times in our lives when there are small things actually that we can do to improve our sleep so having a regular bedtime is really helpful yep. for a lot of people um, and something that we call sleep hygiene so that is really preparing your brain and letting your brain get ready for sleeping because you can't choose to fall asleep you're dependent on your brain doing it automatically you can train your brain by having a little routine before bed like simple things like pillar sprays or reading for half an hour before bed getting rid of screens um anything that your brain will start to identify as okay we're winding down now getting ready for bed can improve the getting off to sleep more quickly and also the quality of sleep yeah it's so helpful and i think a lot of people will probably be looking at you and thinking, right, well, you go on national TV in the morning, you've always got a smile on, but not knowing behind the scenes that perhaps you've also been up, you know, every, every two or three hours during the night with Lisbon, who is gorgeous, but of course it takes its toll. It and do you have any tips for anybody out there that just needs to get going, I think, in the morning to feel better, to really embrace uh, the day ahead when you've just not had a good night's sleep. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I don't know if I do. <laughs> I'm not a morning person at all. Normally, if I do that, it's because I absolutely have to, because I am going to mm. be on TV and people will see me. Um, I think I think my my words of advice to parents, I'll give I'll give two words of advice if that's okay to yeah, parents of young young babies and young children. Is firstly that those of us perhaps like Rhiannon and myself who look like we've got it all together, who appear <laughs> on TV and on Instagram with our makeup on. We haven't. We're struggling no. too. Um, I think every new parent is. And people shouldn't feel like they're alone. I think there's a load of pressure to make it look like you've got it all together and yeah. you're doing just fine, even though we're bringing up babies in environments that are unusual, really. You know, we should have that mm. village around us supporting us, and most of us haven't. You know, we we some of us don't even have a partner. You and I are mm. lucky that we do. Mm. Um, so don't feel that you're alone. And when it comes to getting up in the morning, I think one of the best things you can do is go outdoors, even if that's only in your pyjamas and your slippers and stand on the doorstep for five minutes, oh, um, yeah. letting your body and letting your eyes see the natural light, getting a bit of fresh air, can just really make you feel you know it tells your body it tells your brain that it's daytime now and can make you feel a lot better yes because circadian rhythm wise I suppose we have to expose ourselves to the elements to a degree I mean I'm not saying go all Wim Hof and go out and sit in an ice bath every day (laughs) um which I don't I actually have to look along on it's not my thing I'm going to be honest but you know obviously I've read about all the interesting benefits and things that are emerging in that area but Get some fresh air. It's definitely the best uh, step forward. So let's talk about the common cold very quickly as I've got a GP on this podcast. Is it <laughs> is it one of the most um, irritating yet expected, <laughs> most common thing that you get every day? 
Yeah, I mean, there are over 200 different viruses that can cause the common cold. So it's very difficult when we're living our lives normally. Of course, we've been living differently for the past couple of years. It's very difficult to avoid it. Um, As adults, on average, you can expect to get two to three colds a year. Um, And children, little ones who've been exposed, you know, their immune systems are new. So they're going to have likely more of a reaction to different viruses. Um, they can have a cold. It's not unusual to have a cold 10 times in a year, which means if you think that a cold lasts for a couple of weeks, they're going to have a cold almost 50% of the time. <laughs> and I see yeah. patients all the time who are concerned because, like, you know, my child just seems to be unwell all the time. And as long as their symptoms are reasonably mild and they're getting better in between and they're responding to things like paracetamol and ibuprofen, it's not usually a concern. So whilst we've had it a bit easier the last couple of years, as colds have had a really tough time because we haven't been mixing, which is what they want us to do, um, now life is getting more back to normal. We can all expect those cold symptoms to be rearing their ugly head again, I'm afraid. Yeah, I know. We've had it full blast in my household recently. It's been very, very... um... Yeah, back to reality very, very quickly. It's annoying, isn't it? Colds are annoying because you feel, even though you know it's minor and you're going to get better, you feel dreadful and you kind of expect yourself to get on with it. Why is it in the mornings and the evenings? I don't know why I've never asked any of the amazing guests we've had on before this question. Why is it you're 10 times more congested, you're more likely to cough morning and night than throughout the day where sometimes it can seemingly disappear for an hour or two? And, and any parent will really resonate with what you've just said and during the night as well. Why is it yeah. that when I bring my child to the GP, he's running around and he's fine, but at three o'clock this morning, you should have seen him. He had a high fever, felt terrible. Well, yeah. our bodies produce steroids steroid hormones that are circulating around our body all the time and a steroid hormone actually dampens down inflammation so makes us feel a bit better and during the night we produce less of that so there's less steroid production during the night Mm. so the inflammation can peak during the night so that's why as adults if we get a good night's sleep we mostly feel it late at night and in the morning and children you know often do wake up during the night feeling at their worst Oh my goodness, I had no idea. So interesting because, yeah, it's so frustrating. Just as you want to relax, that's what happens. So, should everybody be taking more? Um, you've mentioned paracetamol and ibuprofen. How do you rate all these cold and flu sachets and drinks, um, rehydration solutions if you've been sick? What are your thoughts on all of these products out there now? Or the, or the thing you stick up your nose that people can sniff? <laughs> which well, sounds really wrong on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, all, all of these things offer managing symptoms. So that's the important thing. I think sometimes people say to me, I've been taking paracetamol for days and I'm no better, but these are, they're not going to get rid of the virus. They're not going to fix it your own body's immune system will get you better. And if it's a common cold, that can take anything from three days up till two weeks that you feel rough. Mm. All of these different things. So the paracetamol, the ibuprofen, which are sort of the basic um, gold standard treatments, as long as you can safely take them, will make you feel better. And the sachets and different concoctions often are a combination of, of paracetamol with ibuprofen, sometimes a bit of cocodamol, sometimes some decongestant. So they all vary. And it's good have a chat with your pharmacist really depending on what your symptoms are they may be able to advise you but they do tend to get quite expensive when you start going for the branded versus just the bog standard paracetamol ibuprofen and they don't Mm. necessarily always work any better Um, and then you know the inhalants and all of those things Mm. if they're worth trying and if they work for you fine because what we're trying to do is manage symptoms 
symptoms here, not mm. getting rid of the illness and mm. different things work better for different people. It's so interesting because the other day I had a, I had a chesty cough for about a week and my husband kept saying, um, oh, just go out, go and get a Lemsip. Oh, come on. There must be something you could take to make this disappear. And I was like, if there was something that would just make this cough disappear, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it would make somebody a billionaire right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, cough's a really difficult symptom to treat because if you think about the reason why we cough, it's your body trying to get rid of something it's detected that's harmful in your airways. Mm. So to trick your body into not doing that, there are some drugs that, that do it. Um, and over the counter, you can buy codeine linctus, which is has an antitussive mm. effect. We call it antitussin, but it might make you constipated. And so oh it's very difficult. You know, you've got to bear in mind your body's coughing and it's unpleasant, it's uncomfortable, it's horrible and it disrupts your sleep. But really, your body's being quite clever. It's doing mm. that to try and expel the thing that's trying to invade your body. And a lot it's of the symptoms when we become unwell are not caused by the virus, it's our immune system. So whether that is congested, runny nose, high temperature, headache, coughing, sneezing, those things aren't caused directly by the bugs. It's our body's immune system that makes us feel like that because in providing us with those symptoms and doing what it takes to create those symptoms, it's also trying to um, get rid of the thing that's that's trying to invade our body. So for example, a high fever, we as human beings can quite happily, well, maybe not happily, happily is the wrong word, we can quite comfortably survive our body's temperature being elevated by a couple of degrees. But sometimes the viruses that are trying to infect us can't. So by having a fever for a few hours, our bodies, our immune systems trying to kill the virus without causing us any damage. Right. See, there we go. And there, there is a reason that our bodies react in the way they do. They are very clever. Now, I couldn't not ask you about home remedies that you've come across or you've heard of because, you know, we constantly get in the clinical. Whenever I do a Q&A on social media about things, I find it fascinating because there's loads of cultural ones and there's lots yeah. of ancient types of medicines or Ayurvedic uh things people like to consume hot ginger lemon honey teas do you have a go-to zoe well i mean (laughs) i probably shouldn't say this but (laughs) because we know that honey and lemon are actually helpful um i like to have a little hot toddy if i'm feeling a bit rough i don't have lots of them but before bed in the evening a little hot toddy usually with a bit of rum going back to my caribbean roots with some some honey and lemon and hot water it's really warming it's really comforting and it makes me feel a little bit better oh i love that you see i've been doing it wrong i've missed the alcohol component of this hot lemon honey drink for years (laughs) and now i know (laughs) (laughs) Now I know what I've been doing wrong, but we do have lots of questions from our listeners for you, Zoe, today. Uh, The first one um, would be from Danny. And actually, it's a really relevant question we haven't touched on as much because, again, I believe the digestive system, well, I'm a nutritionist, so I'm bound to, but I do think it plays a huge role here. Do illnesses influence our digestion? Um, Yes, they can do, absolutely. Um, And it depends on which illness, but actually most illnesses can influence our digestion because when you're unwell, when you're ill, your body is working harder to deal with whatever that illness is. So therefore your body may be less likely to um, divert as much energy 
to digestion. Um, so, I mean, we see that, an example, we see that with um, IBS, inflammatory bowel syndrome, which is really closely linked to stress and how we're feeling psychologically if we're really really stressed so therefore our sympathetic nervous system our fight or flight nervous system is activated um well if you think back to if, if you were actually faced with a lion you wouldn't really want your body to be expending too much energy on digestion because that's not priority at that time. So mm. people who have symptoms of IBS linked to stress, similar can be true with any illness, really. When your body is under pressure and, you know, trying to often the sympathetic nervous system will be switched on, your digestion might not be as um, as adequate as it would be otherwise. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think IBS is something as well that's so difficult to gauge it's a very tricky area where I think a lot of people it could just be a simple lifestyle symptom just as much as an, an illness that's impacting your digestion it must be quite hard to decipher for you Zoe I can imagine um sometimes just thinking oh how do we get to the bottom of this one um Henry has asked should I up my protein to help recover from a horrid flu bug oh well it depends what your protein is Henry <laughs> I think the answers <laughs> to this question are always it depends, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but 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 protein is really important for for healing. So if you've been particularly if you've had a surgical operation, that type of healing, tissue healing, um, you need protein as the building blocks to heal. Um, and I'm sure Rihanna, you'd be able to give us the the figures on how much protein we should all be having. But I think you know whenever we we all require sufficient protein in our diet whether we're healthy or whether we've been unwell and if you're recovering from a nasty flu if you've been quite unwell then that would be true in that scenario as well yeah 100 percent. doesn't have to be masses like on average um it's actually less than one gram but we'll say one gram per kilo of body weight but if you are a bit poorly or run down or there's no harm in upping it to 1.2 to 1.5 i'd say if it depends like zoe said it's so hard because you could be really into your fitness, a regular um, weightlifter, or you could be, you know, carrying children around every day. That's equally like weightlifting, to be honest. Um, yes. there's, there's so many factors that can dictate your nutritional requirements. Um, Hetty, I think I've said Hetty, yes, Hetty. Um, Hetty said, how much can you really change your diet to support your immunity? Do you get a lot of these diet questions in the GP clinic now, Zoe, or, or is it just I want antibiotic types? <laughs> a bit, bit of everything, but I must admit we don't get lots of very specific dietary questions mm. um, like this. And I think to answer Hetty's question again, it depends where you're starting off from. If somebody, if you, if, if you're a person who you're very aware that you have a pretty unhealthy diet you don't eat a lot of fruit and veg you eat a lot of highly processed foods a lot of takeaways and junk food that type of thing then actually making if you were willing and able and wanted to and capable of doing so to make some sustainable long-term changes to improve your diet I think it could make it could make quite a significant difference um but if you're somebody who is already eating a healthy balanced diet we you know with the we all eat a little bit of fast food and treats these days um, every now and mm. again I probably do about 80 80 20 about 20 yeah. percent of the food I eat is not really good but I just enjoy it um, and try and be healthy most of the time if you're somebody like that then unless you're missing anything you know unless you're missing specific food groups or there are important things like 
oily fish and healthy fats that you don't eat. If you eat a bit of everything like I do, but I'm not healthy all the time, there's not a huge amount. I wouldn't say there's a huge amount of difference to your immune function that you're going to make by making changes to your diet. The only thing I'd add is do take a vitamin D supplement and that's something that we should all be doing. And people with dark skin like me, we should be taking a vitamin D supplement all year round because we need more of it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's so, so important just to get those nutritional elements in as well. But I think um, we've got time for, let me just think, one more more question. I just want to make sure we've covered the whole wellness sphere. And I think testing is something that comes up time and time again for nutrition because there aren't actually, there's hardly any uh, valid tests that you can get out there. But is there a way, Chris has said, that I can test my immunity, you know, before I go to the doctors? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> the, sim- the simple answer is no. And if, a do- if you go and see a doctor because you have some concerns about how well your immune system is functioning, then most of the information that the doctor needs is by having a conversation with you. Um, and, you know, keeping, keeping a diary and trying to remember... Um, any infections that you've had over the past, say, 12-month period would be really helpful. But signs that your immune system might not be functioning that well would be if you are, if you do seem to be getting infections quite a lot, if you have wounds and they don't seem to heal very well, if you sort of get a minor scratch and it takes weeks and weeks to heal, that type of thing. Um, But also it it can be quite vague symptoms. So I would say best thing you can do if you've got concerns rather than looking for a test is try and keep a bit of a symptom diary especially in relation to any infections that you've had and take that along with you to the GP. Amazing exactly great advice there if there were again a test kit I think this is one of those things like the um, chesty cough medication then yes (laughs) we'd all we would all know about it. Um, Let's do our fact or fiction round are you ready Zoe? I'm ready. Okay, everyone needs to take a vitamin C supplement in the winter. False, but they do need a vitamin D. Perfecto. Fresh air in the winter is likely to cause you to become run down. Absolutely not. The opposite is true. Wrap up warm, get a scarf on, get some gloves on and breathe in that fresh air. It'll do you good. As will if you can do that in nature as well. Leave your phone Mm. at home and look at the trees and take it all in. Then that'll do you even more good. Perfect. Seasonality of food doesn't affect immunity. Seasonality of food doesn't affect it. Oh, I'm trying to pick that Sorry, one. Sorry, that was a complicated <laughs> one we put down. <laughs> so is that to say that it's better to eat foods that are in season? Yeah. Yeah. All right. But oh, linking it to the immune system. Linking it to the immune system. I think I would say more than anything, it's good to eat as big a variety of foods as you can because we know that there are different nutrients and vitamins and antioxidants in different types of foods and when it comes to vegetables, different colours. So that concept of eating the rainbow and eating as many different types of um, plant foods um, and varying your sources of protein and getting a good variety of healthy fats. I think variety is a spice of life that's going to optimise your nutrient intake and give you the best immune system regulation. 
perfect answer. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't know if you no. I don't, are there any benefits to eating seasonally? I know there are on the planet. Benefits to the planet, which you know It's more of... like um it's more the nutrient capacity of um foods that you pick in season are likely to be richer, but it won't have a huge overall impact on your health compared to, you know, importing the food or, you know, having it from frozen to fresh. But if you pick right. it seasonally, yeah, antioxidant content may be slightly higher. But okay. I'd love to see more research in that area and I did love the answer to that one um moving on to women become colder more quickly than men false i think Brilliant. i don't know if there's i don't know if there's any difference but if anything i would say that the the opposite is true because women tend to have a higher body fat there we go eating the rainbow will support our immune systems Woo woo! that is definitely <laughs> fact you are more likely to become unwell on a plant-based diet no, that's not, that's not, that's definitely, definitely not true. Any diet can be healthy, then any diet can be less healthy. So if your plant-based diet consists of Oreos and French fries, then you're probably not going to have the best immune system. But if your plant-based diet consists of, you know, all different types of food groups, but all from plant sources, then you'll be great. Oh, I'm smiling from ear to ear. Um, <laughs> the more illnesses you get in childhood, the better your immunity. See, this is one that's it's not necessarily fact or fiction, but this is thinking about if, if children grow up in an environment that is too clean, their immune system might not learn to function quite as well. And that's I know that's a particular concern among scientists at the moment, because children who have been growing up in a pandemic in a really sterile environment um, may not be have been exposed to as many different bugs, not just bugs, you know, chemicals and soil and all of that. So so. But it's only one factor and it's probably and it's not something that we know for definite. So um, neither fact or fiction. So interesting. Uh, turmeric will boost your immunity. Nothing will boost your immunity. Stop saying <laughs> boost your immunity. <laughs> <laughs> um, hand washing is the first line of protection from viruses. And um, that's absolutely true. It is. Yes. Bacterial and viral infections are the same. False. They're caused by a completely different type of organism. They infect the body in a different way. Um, so, yeah, false. Fiction. Brilliant. Oh, that was a great fact or fiction round. Thank you. Um, I find it so interesting when, especially, yeah, the childhood thing, because there's also a big debate at the moment about chickenpox and things. I don't know if yeah. you had this in your surgery with vaccinations on, because they're private, aren't they? Not on the NHS. That's right. So chickenpox vaccinations are available. Um, the reason they're not available on the NHS is because with any type of um, intervention on the NHS, there's always the risk versus benefit and then the cost implication. And when it comes to a chickenpox vaccination, there isn't any risk associated with it. It's, it is safe to do. But because chickenpox almost always causes just a mild illness, the cost of vaccinating a whole um, population versus spending that money elsewhere in the NHS isn't justifiable. So it's a really a, a parent's personal choice whether they want to vaccinate their child against chickenpox. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Because, yeah, again, there's... And then there's a lot of... Wasn't there an outbreak of more shingles or something recently in adulthood? How does that work? <laughs> yeah, so shingles is, is not something that you catch. So it's, it's when you've had chickenpox earlier in your life um, and it can sort of lie dormant, if you think of that, and it can come back 
as shingles later on in life and shingles has similar risk factors to a lot of other conditions so age being the the biggest one so um so shingles isn't people often get confused about shingles is it contagious well no you can't catch chicken pox from somebody who has shingles um and you can't catch shingles from somebody who has shingles shingles is something <laughs> that is linked to you having had chicken pox yourself earlier in your life and, and an, another virus I'd love to met, take the opportunity to yeah. mention is, is measles as well we're starting to have a lot of concern about potential outbreaks of measles because there's been um, we're, the, the MMR vaccination rates amongst children um, are at their lowest ever we've actually lost our World Health Organization measles free status because <gasps> of this um, so yeah just to any parents out there I know a lot of parents have, have missed their MMR vaccine um, for their child in the past couple of years um, because of things linked to the pandemic so if that's you um, if your child's starting nursery, starting school, and you think they may have missed one of their MMR vaccines, just get in touch with your GP practice and get it booked in. Thank you, Zoe. No, that's so important. It recalls in my memory now, we have a very early episode on vaccinations with Dr. David Robert Grimes that I know you know Zoe as well. And oh, he's he brilliant. Also, he's fabulous. Such a fascinating speaker on that subject as well. But I'm gutted because that does wrap up our episode today. Oh, and it goes so quick. It goes way too quick, oh, especially when you're chatting to someone like yourself. It just it whizzes by. But I think we've had so many take-home points from that. And I think my food for thought today would be that the immune system has a job to do for a reason. You know, it is there to protect us, to heal us and repair us. And what Zoe said earlier, you know, in the instance of my chesty cough, you know, it might not be pleasant, but it's doing it to protect you. There's a reason that these reactions happen. But if you're just not sure, I guess just speak to somebody before you spend a lot of money on vitamin C supplements or expensive miracle um, shots and cures that are listed on the internet because, you know, a, a GP's responsibility, as I'm sure Zoe will tell you in a minute, is, is there to help you ethically. You know, they, they're going to, to tell you the truth. No matter how difficult the truth may sometimes be to hear. But Zoe, if you have a food for thought for us today, what would that be? I think what you just said is absolutely right. You know, I know people are very aware that the NHS is under pressure. But as GPs, um, if you have these sort of concerns or thoughts and you want to speak to us, if you ring up and just ask for a routine telephone appointment or do an e-consult, because um, it's something that's not necessarily that urgent that you need advice on right there and then, um, those are quite easy for us to deal with um, if we have a little bit of time. So definitely do get in touch. Don't be, well, I mean, do use do use the internet, but use reputable sources. So look at the NHS website, yes. look at patient.info. That's a great website as well. Um, so do use um, the NHS and Google. But if you're not completely certain and you need more info and you need it personalised to you, which is what most of us need, then, you know, as GP surgeries, we are open and we do want to talk to you. We just might not be able to do it in on the same day unless it's an, an emergency or very urgent. Oh, thank you, Zoe. And if our listeners want to find out a lot more about what you do, which is a lot, and you've also got regular columns and papers, but where can they go to read more about the work that you're doing? 
Um, so I write a weekly column for Fabulous magazine, which is in the Sun newspaper. Um, I'm on Instagram um, at Dr Zoe Williams, the doctor just dr, not fully spelled out. I'm on Twitter as well, but less active on Twitter. Um, and yeah, sometimes I pop up on this morning, so I'll give you a little <laughs> wave next time I'm on there. If you see me waving, it's for you, listener. There you go. You are. <laughs> <laughs> and behind those amazing looking smiles are the tired, deprived, <sighs> parented. <laughs> Zoe, thank you so much for coming on Food for Thought. Thanks for having me. If you've all enjoyed Food for Thought, you're going to love what's coming up. We've got so many amazing episodes. So if you're not already, make sure you subscribe because that way it will just pop up and tell you it's ready for you to listen to every single Monday. And it would be brilliant if you have time to leave a review. I know now and understand that these reviews of how you feel the podcast goes or if you learn anything from it can help other people reach it and hopefully they'll be able to take a lot away from it too. So for more information about my best-selling book, The Science of Nutrition, please do let me know if you've got your copy. The Retrition Clinic, if you want to book in and get some advice, healthy recipes and so much more, please go and visit retrition.com and you can follow me at Retrition on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 